This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. Hey, good morning, good afternoon, depending on where you happen to be at this very moment. If you are here listening to us live, then you obviously remembered to change your clocks, or else you're going to be tuning in, uh, probably, well, you, then you might think you would have missed it already. So anyway, we're here for you. We're here on Pet Life Radio's Ask the Best with Dr. Jeff, and a number of ways you can reach us, uh, the easiest for you maybe, is calling us. Toll-free, 877-385-8882. Once again, 877-385-8882. But the way we'd prefer to chat with you live is to click on the link we have on our homepage. So you go to PetLifeRadio.com, click on Shows, scroll down to Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff. And in a box, as you scroll down a little bit, you will see a very long, you don't have to memorize it, just click on it, link to uh, join us here live on Pet Life Radio, have your pets with you, have your pets in your lap, in your arms, next to you, depending if, if it's a you know, if it's a great day. No, you don't have to put it on your lap. And so you can uh, sit and talk to us, ask questions, whatever the case may be. And um, we'd love to chat with you. And that's why we're here. We're here to answer any questions you may have. Talk about things that you just may not have the time or your veterinarian doesn't have the time to talk to you about. Uh, maybe you got a diagnosis you don't understand completely well. Uh, maybe you have some choices to make about what the next step is in, in the working up of a case. Where do you go from here? The advice is free, 100% free. It's not going to cost you anything except a little bit of your time. Hopefully, you come away with some good information. And, of course, the alternative, uh, which is one of the things you want to talk about. If you don't have a relationship and converse with your veterinarian or with me for free, then you might be directed to Dr. Google. And we all know that that could be helpful. You know, there's a lot of information, but unfortunately, a lot of misinformation. You know, just in general, a lot of this stuff that you're going to find online is sensationalized. And I don't, I don't mean like purposely. What I mean is this, you know, an expression I use all the time. I'm sure if you listen to my show, you've heard it many a time. And that is, it's a question. If you're running along the beach in Malibu, California, and you hear hoofbeats chasing you from behind, what are you thinking? Horses or zebras? Well, of course you're thinking horses. So why then are you turning around looking for that zebra? Well, when you go online and they, and they have these sites that talk about, they're going to give you the zebras. They're going to give you the weirdest things that happen maybe once in a lifetime for us as a veterinarian or for you as a pet parent. And uh, yet they're not talking about the horses, the much more obvious things, the much more common things. So you get so worried. And you rush to an emergency, you do, you just start panicking for that, which is probably not a reason to panic at all. So that is why take advantage of us. So anyway, a couple of things in the news. I like to uh, check things out. I'm actually uh, going to be going to the Global Pet Expo in about a week and a half and um, having an opportunity to uh, kind of see what's out there new in, in, uh, in veterinary medicine and in, in the pet world. We'll get to uh, Walk around the show with our lovely producer, Mark Winter, who's going to be there as well. And we're going to uh, just kind of, kind of just see what's out there. Who can we talk to? What's, what's, who's got some good stuff that's kind of new and exciting on the horizon? And I'm doing a WESH2. I'm doing a, a piece with them on Wednesday morning. And uh, it's either Wednesday or Thursday, but one of those mornings. And um, we're going to talk about obesity. So what's very interesting is I'm going through the American Vet Med Association Smart Brief. And I see one of the first stories I see is about obesity in cats. And why is that important? Well, first of all, you know, when we talk about obesity, over practically 60% of our pets in this country are overweight or obese. 
That's a big number. Unfortunately for you, I'm not, I can't see you. I'm not pointing any fingers, but I will tell you that uh, the 75% of obese or overweight or obese pets belong to owners who themselves could lose a few. That kind of tells us something about our eating habits, maybe. But um, also how beneficial it is if you are in that 75% that what we need to do for our pets, of course, increase exercise, it's going to be good for you as well. But here's the problem. Cats, cats are really hard to exercise. You don't see many people going to the dog park with their cat chasing the ball or the frisbee. You don't see many people even walking the neighborhood with a cat on a leash or a harness. So it is tough. So therefore, it's really important to try to prevent the obesity. One of the things we do often with cats is what? We free feed them because cats are not as predictable eaters. They forage. You know, when they're hungry, they'll go and eat a little bit if, if it's there. And, and so, you know, whereas a dog, dog, we, we try to guard against free feeding because or else we're going to have huge overweight dogs. But, you know, you put a food in front of a dog. I mean, I take my Labradors, for example. They, by the time you put the food bowl down, it's pretty much empty. So um, when it comes to cats, however, it is a little bit of a different thing. So anyway, it's very important to make sure that cats are fed, they're fed properly, and sometimes just in order to get them to not feel this need to continue to, to eat, let's fill them up with something that might give them nutrition, but not the calories. And one of the suggestions here by a, a veterinarian who, who works with obese animals is vegetables. So you want to give you think about giving cats some vegetables, some peas, some cut up broccoli. The problem with, you know, cute carrots, carrots are great, or even fruits like apples. Some of these cats like crunchy things. They like that's why cats like dry food. They like to crunch on something. So give them something that they can kind of munch on. And that would be great. So that's a good way to basically keep the nutrition up, but uh, keep the calories down. So this is, you know, sad. This is something that's going on. In Santa Anita, a big racetrack here in L.A., 21 horses have died since the end, end of December, and they don't know why. Necropsies have shown no link at all to, to any of these pets, so that's a problem. And um, in other words, to what could be causing them. This, it's not like there's a virus. It's not like they're, they're getting something in their feed. And experts, independent experts, have come out and checked the racetrack itself, the surface. Look, we've gotten a ton of rain here. So the thought maybe something could be coming up from the bottom. They're coming up with nothing. So that really is concerning. They've obviously stopped all racing at, at Santa Anita. And, you know, one of the big you know, concerns for all of us is, you know, look, I'm, I hate to think when you have something like this, that these horses are dying. They can't blame it on any kind of virus or infection. They can't blame it on the racetrack. So I'm concerned that something else is going on. And I, I have no idea, you know, what it is. I, I certainly hope that it's not like a foul play thing where, you know, something's going on that is potentially hurting these horses. But that's really sad. 21 horses. So at least it's good. So anyway, since the uh, polar vortex, all right, has frozen much of the U.S. this winter, we're seeing a lot more and have been seeing a lot more cases. And still to this day, a lot more can be seen of hypothermia. Okay. And um, frostbite and hypothermia. So that's, you know, basically, obviously could, could be deadly. So first of all, what to look for? When you have a hypothermic animal, you're going to look for um, like a pale gray or bluish change in skin, some lethargy, maybe some swelling, even some blisters, because it's kind of like the opposite of burning, but it's from the, the cold. And uh, that's an issue. And um, the issue here is when you have, or if you even suspect it, you really need to seek veterinary care immediately. But some things you can do is to wrap your dog up in a warm blanket. It could be a, a heated, take some hot water bottles and put them near, not on top of the dog, but near. But what you don't want to do, 
is you don't want to like massage the area. You don't want to rub it because that skin become, like literally can start rubbing off. I mean, you got to be very gentle. And you also do not want to put them in contact with like a heating pad or a heated blanket. Again, that can burn the skin right off. The skin is already compromised. So the whole idea is just to go slow, go warm. Don't stick them in hot water. That's a no-no. So, you know, we have dogs that are, in fact, one thing we learned recently with dogs that have hyperthermia, right? They go out, they, they get heat exposure, they're over-exercising, and they start collapsing and their temperature is 105, right? But we used to stick them in ice cold water. No, no. What we find out is put them just in regular, like a lukewarm water, any water that is lower, okay, than their body heat. So even if it's a a swimming pool water that you have set up at 80 degrees, you know, that's getting into a nice warm pool. That's perfect because it'll draw the higher heat away from the animal. But if you put them into ice water, it can actually shock their system. So we don't do that. Sometimes we can rub a little alcohol on foot pads, but that's the opposite. That's, That's all about hyperthermia. Hypothermia, where the temperature gets too low, frostbite, freezing. And that's why it's important that when you see in, in very cold weather, especially small breeds and short-haired dogs that aren't able to maintain their body temperature well, that we you know go ahead and um, let them wear their sweaters, let them look funny. Who cares? But at least they're, they'll be protected. Oh, yeah. When it comes to, uh, this was also an interesting story, exercise caution, when you're trying to treat your pets at home, often to, you know, what happens is we don't talk to somebody. We don't seek advice. Sometimes they do go, you go online and you hear about certain medications. The problem is even if a medication that we use that's in our medicine cabinet is safe for a pet, the dosing could be completely different. And some things that we were going to weigh underdose and some things we're going to overdose. So in other words, sometimes it takes more to achieve the result we want. Sometimes they're much more sensitive. And uh, just because it's good for us doesn't mean it's good for them. As a matter of fact, it could be deadly. Tylenol, for example. Tylenol, look, we take it all the time. Acetaminophen, it'll kill a cat. It's really not good for your dogs either. So interestingly, with all the non-steroidals that we have access to, the best one to use in a pinch, just if you need to, make sure you talk to your veterinarian, is aspirin. Regular, good old-fashioned buffered aspirin, but also understand that the dose is way different than what we take. And in, in, in a cat, as an example, you could use about a quarter to a half of a baby aspirin. So we're talking, you know, maybe 15 milligrams, all right, for a cat, every th- once, every three days. So that'll give you an idea of just, you know, people take a baby aspirin for their, for their heart. They take it every day. And when we take aspirin, we take, you know, we'll take 325 milligrams. We'll take two. That's, you know, 650 milligrams. And yet with a, a dog and especially a cat, much more sensitive, we got to go very carefully. Make sure that you, you consult with your veterinarian before thinking or doing anything like that. You know, now going on this week, or, or it may have just finished already, is the Iditarod that's up in Alaska. That's the thousand mile sled dog race. And um, so anyway, it's a cute story that there was a dog who was at just, I guess, was there as, a, as just with its family or whatever, and so got away and saw a bunch of the, these big, you know, these beautiful huskies and malamutes, whatever, at one of the, um, at the a checkpoint. So when they started taking off to go on to the next checkpoint, 30 miles away, the dog started following them. So this dog was running alongside two of the sled dog racing teams and uh, for 30 miles and was having a blast. Meanwhile, when they finally pulled up to the next stop, they had to go ahead and um, sort of get the dog on a plane, on a, on a snow plane, and get him back to his home. Uh, fortunately, he did live in Alaska. And one last thing before you stop for a quick break, and that is that high tech is emerging. It's becoming much, much more important than uh, we, in, in veterinary care. 
these are like wearable collars. They can do a bunch of things. Like they can monitor activity. They can monitor feeding, heart rate, respiration rate. There are kind of little medallions attached to them that can, for example, if you have a dog who's obese, you can get a feeder that has a lid on it. And the only one that can open or close the lid is the dog wearing the collar. So you can have a medallion that closes the lid. So if one of the other dogs in the house, right, approaches the food bowl that has the closed medallion on, it'll close the lid. They can't eat it. The only one that can open the lid is the one who's wearing the medallion that opens the lid. So basically you control if a dog has to be, you have a multi-bed household and one of the dogs needs to be on a special layout kidney diet, only that dog will be able to open the, and for any other dog that walks by, it'll close. So it's kind of really cool. And also, of course, they have uh, collars now with GPS devices. So heaven forbid your dog should get lost. You can go on and track him with the GPS. So high tech is coming, not to mention, as I said, we're going to be seeing a lot more telemedicine options. And one of the, the, the companies, that company that I'm working with, with telemedicine is also has a patent on using these wearable collars to get a lot of important information. So we'll be able to monitor if you ask, you know, what's your pet's respiration, right? What's, what's its, its heart rate? You'll be able to answer that. So um, that's really cool stuff. Anyway, so that's it for the news. When we come back, we are taught, we just changed the clocks. Spring is around the corner. And uh, I think hopefully as this polar vortex freezing temperatures start to improve, we're going to be getting out there with our pets and starting hopefully some exercise routines, things that we've been, you know, obviously being neglectful during the winter. So it's time to get back out there, have fun with our pets, uh, exercise to lose that winter weight for both them and for us. So we're going to talk about how to start the program, what to watch out for when we come back. We'll be right back, right after these messages. Stay tuned. Does your dog itch, scratch, stink, or shed like crazy? Come to Dynavite for help. Order a 90-day supply of Dynavite. Dynavite is nutrition. Pick up two bottles of Lico Chops. Get the third bottle free. New improved Lico Chops with omega-3, omega-6, vitamin E. And now, six extra direct-fed microbials. Even better for the digestive tract and immune system. Try Lico Chops. Buy two, get one free. At Dynavite.com. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. And welcome back. You're here live with Dr. Jeff Werber here on Pet Life Radio's Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff. And um, as I mentioned just before the break, we are hopefully um, we are going to start getting some better weather, the warmer weather. We want to get out there with our pets and resume the fun we often have during spring and summer uh, when it comes to going to the park and playing and exercising, going to the beach. Well, of course, you have to live in California or to do that, but or back east, the eastern seaboard, really a lot of good beaches there as well. So anyway, what we need to um, think about is how do we get started after a winter? And hey, it was one heck of a winter, even here in California, more rain than we've had in the longest time. So how do you get started? So it's important to remember that when we start an exercise program, and this is going to be the same for a dog who, for whatever reason, has not been able to exercise for a while. Say it, it had a surgery. Say it, it had an illness and you couldn't go on. It's, you can't just start where you left off. And that's the biggest mistake that many people make. They think, oh, great. Now everything is great. The weather's good. The days are longer. 
So why not go out and start them exercising and doing the same stuff we did last summer, last fall when we had to stop because the weather was getting cold. It's not that easy. So keep in mind a few things. What I always recommend, especially with middle-aged and older dogs, if you're going to start or restart your normal exercise, play, fun routine, have your pets checked out first by a veterinarian. So we do annual exams. And plus, you know what I find out? I find because of when weather is super cold, when the days are short, most people don't want to do that extra stuff for their pet anyway. So they on the routine stuff, like that routine annual exam, I find that they're not doing it much during the cold of the winter. Why would you want to get in the car and go fight minus 40 degrees, you know, weather that you're going to get in, in, in Chicago or Kansas or Minnesota or Iowa? I mean, Montana. Come on, really? So you know, typically they start, people start doing it on that annual basis in spring or anyway, which is good because that way you can make sure that they're healthy as you start the, the routine. Next thing you, you want to do is obviously check their feet. You will notice that a dog's feet, because, you know, especially in snowy areas where you're often using booties or something, they are become much softer. The pads lose their callus, if you will, and they're much softer. So they're much more sensitive. And um, so they're going to be sensitive to heat. They're going to be sensitive to debris on the streets, on the roads. So we want to be a little bit more careful as well. It's also important to make sure the vaccines are update. Why? Because more likely than not, since all of you, many of you are going to start on these programs at the parks, on the you know the canyons that you're taking, the jogs, the running, the climbing, etc. there are going to be a lot more dogs there. So you want to make sure that your dogs are protected. You want to make sure they're up to date on uh, their Bordetella vaccine, which is the respiratory vaccine. You know, the one that we commonly call kennel cough, I don't like to refer to it as kennel cough because nowadays with the lifestyles that we share, it's not just kenneling. Now it's just going to the park cough. It's going to, you know, um, the beach cough. It's taking a dog for a walk and, uh, and Beverly Hills cough, you know, for here or because, and so many eateries actually, and I've seen this in Chicago, a lot of restaurants, as the weather's going to get warmer, the days are going to get longer during spring. Uh, a lot of eateries are going to have outdoor seating where people are allowed to bring their pets. So again, there's going to be a lot more potential interaction, communication from pet to pet. Therefore, you want to make sure all vaccines are current. So the key really is when it comes to things that we like to do for fun, start slow. At first, just, you know, if, if you're normal, you know, during the, hard, the heat of the summer, the middle of the summer, or late spring, your routine was to go to the dog park and throw the ball for 20 minutes, a half hour. Now start with five minutes. Just get them back into it. Let them slowly ease. One thing about dogs, and we know this when it comes to overheating, is that people say, God, I, I, he, didn't, he didn't let me know. I, I had no idea that he was getting so hot because the way they are, they are so loyal to us. They don't want to settle down, stop, and stop moving if you're not stopping. So they're going to keep up with you until we get to that point where there's no return, where they're just, they literally will collapse. So very important to read your pets, read the panting patterns, check their feet, and at, bring water with you. And at first, it's a matter of starting slow, and then gradually, gradually, you could increase the playtime, the exercise time, et cetera. But you want to really learn how to read them. And another thing is make sure to bring water with you, plenty of stops. And as we get into April, May, where we're really going to, you know, before we get into summer, we'll talk about that another time. But as it even gets warmer, 
depending on where you live in the country, that it's so important to take plenty of breaks and do your exercise, your heavy exercise. When you work up to it to get to the point where you're back to running, you know, the, the dog's jogging alongside you for two miles, or he's running, riding along, you're, you know, riding your bike and he's running alongside. Make sure that you take plenty of stops and do that kind of exercise in the earlier parts of the morning or later in the evening. Because as I said, dogs will overexert themselves just in order to stay up with you. And when you're in the beginning of the exercise term, right this time of year, you want to make sure that you're not overworking them, letting them go slow, lots of reward, lots of stops, lots of breaks, and really learn how to read your pets and check their feet regularly. And um, as we get warmer, you know, we'll talk about this, about the problem with asphalt, cement, uh, especially, you know, like blacktop asphalt, that will retain tremendous amounts of heat even well into the evening. So it's very important to keep that in mind as well. So um, anyway, this is the time to start. You want to get them out there. You want to you know, take advantage of, the, of hopefully the weather change as it improves. Though, you know, in some parts of the country, I'm, I'm heading up to um, Mammoth, which is a you know, great ski area in a couple of weeks. And uh, <clears throat> they've already announced, first of all, Mammoth has more snow than anywhere in the U.S. and anywhere in North America. But they've already announced that they will be open through Fourth of July, and a couple of years ago, when it was we had a season like this, not only did they stay open to Fourth of July, they actually stayed open till August. So um, I think they finally closed down August first. So you know we often talk about spring skiing, March, April, May skiing, which is so much fun. Well, we're talking now summer skiing. Can you imagine being on a ski or a snowboard on Fourth of July weekend? I mean, that's insane. So um, anyway. That's it for me. That's it for us here on Pet Life Radio. It's Ask the Best Dr. Jeff for this week. I am traveling next week, and I think it might even be the week after that as well. But we're going to, uh, I'm, I'm going to try to get you. Depends on where I am. I'll probably be cooped up in a hotel room somewhere. But guess what? I can still join you. Uh, so that's, that's my plan. So we will be in touch. It'll be next week or two, but we will see if you have any questions, anything you want to talk about, any medical problem, any behavioral issue. Get a hold of me. Send me any email to drjeff, drjeff at petliferadio.com. Uh, follow me. Sure, make sure to follow me on Instagram. That's at drjeffwerber. Um, we, I do some educational stuff on that. And you will see just the cutest pets ever. And you'll see why I have so much fun going to work every day. I can't even call it work. I, I feel guilty calling it work. Um, so I have a, a ton of fun because just interacting with my patients is the best. And uh, so anyway, have a great week or two, and we will be here uh, to see you again very soon. But I'd like to hear from you, so please take advantage of my free advice and uh, write me. uh, Get a hold of me here on the show, 877-385-8882. We'd love to hear from you. Take care. Bye. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.